I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... And I'm Handsome Drew. Technically, the rules say dogs can't play. Wait, no, no. There's nothing in the rule button that says dogs can't play. Yeah, that's what I just said. And this is not... And this is not... And this is not... This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to episode 161 of Not the Podcast You Deserve, where your host Kyle, Drew, and Drew, one of them supposedly Ooh. handsome, one of them definitely spells the name with a U, no matter, we're talking about The Last of Us, episodes one through four. Um, guys, I know that we all enjoy the show, because if we didn't enjoy the show, we wouldn't have stopped like what we were planning on doing and <laughs> rewritten our schedule to be like, you know, we're... We, We've waited four weeks too long to talk about this show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that we're all fans of the show, uh, but maybe digging a little bit deeper into the first four episodes as to why uh, this show is hitting such a good mark for us. Because as far as I know, none of the three of us ever played the game, right? No. I think I'm the closest to any. Okay, so Drew, with a you, you did play? Yes, I played the first one. Oh, okay, cool. Thoroughly enjoyed it, yeah. So I just was, I would just walk through my living room. Um, during times when my wife was playing the game and I would catch bits here and there. And then I was a pansy and would run out screaming whenever the clickers (laughs) would show up. Um, But I did catch little bits and pieces of the stories kind of through there. So I'm glad we actually do have a gaming expert on with us um, because I do think I noticed some changes and my wife more was... Like, you know, whenever Mm -hmm. I watch... She ever watches a Marvel movie with me and I get to explain to her like the Easter eggs and she hates that. I totally get that feeling now because after every she's like... Well, in the game, and they put this in there because I'm like, all right, cool, 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 cool. So I've learned a lot <laughs> about it. this uh, this show and this game mm-hmm. over the last four weeks. Um, but here's what I didn't know: I didn't know before this show that Thandi Newton had a daughter. Did you guys know that Thandi Newton had a daughter? I'm gonna need Can't context on who the first person we're talking about is. Okay. Oh, okay. So, Thandie Newton uh, from Westworld. Man, so many things that I'm blanking on right now. Mission Impossible 2. I mean, the best Mission Impossible. Rock and Rolla. Christmas. Chronicles of Riddick. You act Chronicles like I don't of Riddick. Yes, yes, Newton yes, yes. Is. So, oh, I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when episode one opens up, uh, uh, Sarah Miller, uh, played by Nico Parker, is kind of who you think like might be the protagonist of the series because it basically just follows her throughout a very strange day in the history of this world uh, where you kind of see it through the lens of a child of catching bits and pieces of like this, my neighbor is not doing so well. She's sick and acting weird. My dad's run off to, you know, get supplies or whatever. Sirens are going off. I'm watching the news and I'm getting weird pieces of information. Um, And I was like, man, she looks a lot like Sandy Newton. (laughs) <laughs> um, and that bothered me the whole episode. And I was like, I think she might be a clone in the period. It's just her daughter. Um, but she gave one of the most compelling performances when she gets maybe like 20 minutes of screen time. But I bought into this series because of her. So when they killed her in the first 35 <laughs> minutes, I was like, oh, hang on. Somebody yeah. somebody better tell me right now what the rest of this is about. <laughs> and I should have known because her name wasn't Ellie. Um, but still... She is what captivated me first and foremost. I thought it was interesting where they kind of laid breadcrumbs about how um, you, you kind of heard here and there, like uh, Pedro Pascal's like, I'm on the Atkins diet. They said this, and there was no pancake mix in the house or whatever. And I kind of left you like little clues of like things that are going to help unravel this mystery later on for us. Mm-hmm. But mm. uh, Nico Parker's character 
was what did it for me. That's what made me. Uh, that's what made me go. Okay, I'm invested in the show because that little girl is giving an incredible performance, and I want to see where the rest of this goes. So I've heard some people who have played the game have a very similar reaction to when they first played. Right? You play mm-hmm. as Sarah uh, in to open the game, and you think like, oh, this is Quite who enough. I'm going to play as for the rest of the time because you play as her for a, like a little bit. And you're like, this is the game. This is my character. And then she dies. And you're like, whoa, what am I doing now? And then you fast forward. So it very much followed the same, from what I understand, the gameplay was. And even gamers had the same reaction of, you you sucked me in with this character. I thought this was my person. I, I got really into the story. And now you just pull the rug out from under me. Like, what are we doing? Interesting. I, I would say that even the show even does a better job of cool. it. Um, and it has been a, a, a few years since I played the video game, but I, I don't remember being as sucked into her character specifically like uh, Nico was able to do with what was half of one episode yeah. to get you to buy in on her. Uh, which also, the, to the show's credit, they spent some good time, you know, slow building a relationship with her. Um, and if you don't know what happens, then it's just terrifying and terrible to watch what I assumed was a like military like mix up when I was remembering it. I didn't realize it was no, the military was like, no, they're not coming out of there. Yeah. Which was even darker, which set up yeah. a good um, conflict in the QZ. Uh, a lot of times in the video game, I mean, you're on a mission, you know where the marker is, you know where you have to get to. And so, like, the QZ, the military, the Fireflies are all just kind of factions. And But I feel like this story does a great job spending time with other characters instead of just the protagonist that you're playing as to yeah. build that world a little bit better. No, that's a really good point. So this episode, like, the halfway-ish point, uh, you see Sarah, this character you really like, gets shot and killed while Pedro Pascal's uh, Joel is carrying her and trying to get her to safety. It's like a, his, his child that he's trying to protect. He can't protect her because he trusted another human to be mm-hmm. a human and not um, terrible at that point. Um, which is a really, really great setup for the ending mm-hmm. of this episode, which shows Pedro Pascal who's taking care of this girl, even though he doesn't mm-hmm. really want to. It's definitely not his daughter. He does not really believe in this mission that they're going on. But he's in that same circumstance where it's a, a military person with a gun saying, stop right there. You know, I need more information. And he takes a totally different approach in the end, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And beats that guy to death with his fist, <laughs> um, which was super gruesome. But also what I really liked is the like obvious choice there would be for, for Ellie, who is like 12, 13, 14, something like that in the show or in the story. The obvious choice that would be for her to be like scarred by it and like to cry and like run away. The thing I think is really cool about The Last of Us is like Ellie sits there and watches and she doesn't smile, but she's also definitely like not mad that he's killing that person with his bare hands. And so I think that makes like Ellie like a really interesting character. You kind of see them uh, unpack that a little bit more in the further episodes. Mm-hmm. She's not your average child that like would shies away from. Uh, like violence or like making the tough call. Like she was totally cool with like, no, oh, that guy was going to kill us. You do what you had to do. And you kind of see that unpacked mm-hmm. in further episodes. I think the layers they do with this show are really, really good. I really wish HBO could have like done a little nod to the camera and had Joel uh, gouge that guy's eyes out. Uh, nice. Uh, <laughs> Pedro Pascal 
break his skull in half. And we're all just like, oh, yeah. What goes around comes around. I guess I didn't think about that, that they're they're both Game of Thrones uh, yeah. stars. Alumni. Back for, yeah, I didn't think about that. You you skipped over, and I know why. You're notoriously not a fan of car chase scenes. Sure not. Do you do you feel like I I felt like putting you in the back seat and having you turn sure. around and see everything was really dynamic. That was a great way of doing it. Yeah, that was a really good way of doing it. And I think the like I think we can all probably agree that like the lamest part of most zombie movies or TV shows, or whatever, is like them figuring out like how like how are there zombies and why and how did this yeah. happen. I really like them putting you in the point of view of a teenage girl in the backseat of a car who's just like, guys, what is going on? Why did my neighbor try to kill me? (laughs) Like, what's happening? What was going on? Why is this airplane falling out of the sky right now? Like, what's going on? I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the horror aspect of it, you just get a touch when she walks into that, or the dog's escaped and she walks into that open door, which honestly. The one thing that put me not on her side was the fact that she went into that building. It's like, I know you know this, you babysit these people all the time, but you don't walk into an empty house at night Have with the door open. Have you seen any movie before ever? Yeah. <sighs> so, I will say this. It's well documented that I don't like scary things. This show <laughs> is not scary, but it yeah. is very suspenseful. Like, it triggers everything in my body to be like, you should be scared. Or like, you're about <laughs> to get scared. And right. then just a really interesting story happens. And like, maybe you get the slightest bit of a jump scare every now and then when like a zombie does something. But for the most part, nothing's like jumping out at you. You're not getting any like the cheap scares. You're just getting like very suspensed the whole time and like i can feel my body tightening on itself suspended yeah and the music does a really good job of this uh yeah my wife looked at me at one point uh when we were watching the last episode and she was like i'm not okay and i was like what are we (laughs) like do i need to stop she's like no no no. it was just like this one note of like this ominous note that was going on the whole time she's like i just wanted something to happen because it was like three minutes of me being like, <gasps> I yeah. forgot to breathe. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I think part of that, uh, the, the, the Last of Us, both game and TV show so far, done a great job, is it's not just zombies that you have to worry about. A lot of times the scariest part are the humans that yeah. are still out there. Um, and the episode one, they do a great job introducing this kind of drug dealer character who, like how, how Joel and Ellie team up is because he tries to swindle both of them which i thought was a really nice touch they both got screwed by the same person but the head firefly lady is like joel you get a car battery if you take her to the spot you know they kind of rush through it all but they've got a lot to cover in episode one so i didn't fault them for it the end of episode one though um where they crawl underneath the bus and they're getting out into the like downtown city portion right of wherever the heck they are, Atlanta, Boston. Yeah, same place. And uh, the camera like slowly pans up and you see the skyline and like kind of lightning and like you see this fog and stuff. And you just see one of the clicker monsters on one of the buildings and like Uh look straight at a stranger thing. And I was just like, oh man, (laughs) like I've already been so scared and so tense and I forgot there were zombies even Mm -hmm. in this storyline to come. We've only seen one and it was for half a second. And the and an 80s song plays when you zoom yeah. into the skyline, which means danger, which yeah. Joel taught yeah. us. 
I right. loved that. That was such a beautiful touch. That's I, th- I think they do a really good job of like giving you little bits of stuff. I mean, like you hang on to that. We'll come back to that in a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I really loved about episode two uh, was what you pointed out about episode one with Sarah's character and you, like you getting just a little bit of her and like falling in love with this character. You get the same thing with Tess, Tess in episode yeah. two, and you yeah. get to see, I mean, what thirty minutes of screen time, maybe, and her character's amazing. And, and they do this again in episode three as well, where they make you fall in love with some new characters, yeah. and then you realize you're only ever going experience these people maybe in flashbacks and the fact that they could do this in consecutive episodes of advancing the world advancing the story making you really appreciate the dynamic that's going on between joel and ellie but also making you fall in love with these individual characters and they're getting an immediate arc and it's over and you're just like what else are we gonna do here guys like is this gonna happen every episode yeah (laughs) it can't um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, episode two begins with kind of a flashback to a scientist figuring out how the zombie apocalypse started, um, which I thought they did that in a really cool and fun way. They didn't stop down your main characters on their mission to go right. on a side quest to figure out how did this or read a history, read a book about it, or find a videotape on a NASA's desk and... Turn it yeah. on and, oh, this is how it happened. They just kind of gave you the, and here's the context you need to get you to where we want you to be at the end of the episode, which is that yeah. it's a fungus that lives in the earth, or essentially, which I believe uh, Drew Allen, correct if I'm wrong, in the game, it was in the air. Uh, you yeah. You breathe it in and stuff, and you need to wear a gas mask. And the change for this uh, show is that it's, like, fungus. Yeah, I think gamers are more apt to just be like, okay, they're zombies, I get it, let's go. I get to shoot them? <laughs> All right, sounds good. I understand the concept. I think for the TV show, they kind of had to slow it down and be like, okay, how does this work? Let's 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 figure it out. Not so much that we have to explain it all on screen, but just so we know kind of how it works. I think they've had some fun too, you know, 10, 15 years later, how to amp it up a little bit. And I did like the touch of all of the fungal zombies kind of being able to communicate through the mm-hmm. chain. Yeah. Um, the the wood wide web or whatever the the guy said in the the recap or the inside the episode, which I love those two. Um, yeah. But no, I want to cut, touch back on Tess Crawford. You mentioned their arcs, mm-hmm. and I and I just absolutely love Tess as an episode two because it feels like in episode one Joel and Tess are kind of at the end of their arc. They kind of given up hope and they're just trying to survive. Um, they've had to do some dark things, which we're probably going to learn about more and more. As the episode, as the season progresses, but Tess kind of gets a spark of hope when she learns that there might be a cure, and Joel is not here for it. And but Tess kind of carries that torch, that that banner, you know, through episode two, and then passes it off to Joel. And I love they've created a dynamic to allow a really dark and you know closed off character, Joel, to have a reason to continue this story. I think that's the hardest hurdle that they have to. They have to introduce this character, break him down, and jump 20 years into the future, and then sure. pick him up with this really animatic Ellie character um, and have them come together in a meaningful, impactful way and not just be like witty banter, dialogue back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that the majority of episode two, um, first you get how the zombie apocalypse started and all that jazz and the sciencey stuff behind it. 
mm-hmm. that you can understand the second half, which is Tess, uh, Tess bringing Joel like kind of into the fold of like, hey, this is important. And you get to see a lot more of Ellie in this episode too, and where she's uh, very aloof in the sense of like, people are dead and dying everywhere. There's this outbreak of zombies and she's just having fun like finding a piano and banging on it and asking what airplanes are Mm -hmm. um and i think that's really cool because you just think it's she's a child she's just grown up in a really strange world but still a child at heart and you know um i thought that was really good and it also gives you that nice friction between joel who just wants to survive he just (laughs) wants to get this battery so he can go see his brother yeah and uh ellie is more like i I've already been bit once. I, you know, I'm still here and, and keep getting dragged around from place to place. And she's acting exactly how I assume my daughter will act in eight years. <laughs> so I cannot blame her for that. Yeah. Um, but that was that was kind of the setup you could see was you're trying to set these two characters kind of at odds. Someone's got to try to bring them together, which is your test character. Um, and the ending of this episode, boy, is so mm-hmm. good. Is there something that y'all want to hit before we get there? Anytime the team splits up, has to split up to get around the obstacles, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. they're, they're, you never feel like they're safe, but when they when they get split up, it's immediately way worse. Yeah. Um, like when Tess goes across the building and it, she just goes around the corner to like unlock a door. It's not a huge thing, but it does kind of introduce that concept of there may be times, it happens in episode four, where somebody can fit through something and yeah. has to go on to be safe and the other person just cannot do that. Which, um, I love that. I will say, we talked about this before in a totally other episode, right? About video games that become movies or shows or whatever. Um, this is really well done. And I feel like sometimes the mistakes people make are trying to make it exactly like the video game. So then you get like a terrible movie because it's not the media. It was like medium it was supposed to be delivered in. Or you get people that are like, ah, we're going to loosely base it on this, but we're going to change everything. So then everyone's like, well, this isn't the story I thought I was going to get. There are like shots in this. And I'm thinking about episode two specifically, like when they walk up to the building and they're like, well, we got to go through that door. I was like, I'm in the middle of a cutscene of a video game and the camera's about to go like into the door and I'm about to start the episode. like, Or I'm about to start the mission. Like it felt very much like shooting a video game episode two also introduced us i almost skipped over this to the clickers the most terrifying <laughs> of the zombies in this show Un- unless there's these are the scariest ones that i ever saw in the game if there's more terrifying than the clickers i don't want to watch i don't want to see it i don't want them to show up. uh i don't know to tell you kyle uh but Should i can't wait for i want to watch episode five with you um we're about to get some some big old boys yeah, they they do do a great job in this show, <laughs> do do, um, of making the clicker seem powerful without like being unbelievable. Like it is a a fungus person, but it it's like growth, huge thing, and it's you know something just about being sensory hearing instead of seeing is just really upsetting, um, and it's believable. I I, I love when these shows kind of dumb down action into where it's like. I'm not shooting two AR-15s, 60 shots a minute. It's just like, I have to load this rifle, and I get one shot every, you know, minute or two. It adds a level of suspense and thrilling that's, you know, you don't need it. everybody to have a machine guns. And this feels real, 
and the clickers feel threatening and in a really believable way. Yeah. Uh, that scene when they're in the museum or whatever, uh, so really, really, really good. It's terrifying and fun, very suspenseful. It's really, really well done. Um, and they finally get out of that and figure out that Tess has been bit, which... Mm. Of course she has, because we've seen movies before, you know? <laughs> like, if anybody was like, what? Like, watch a, read a book. Like, you <laughs> knew that was going to happen. Someone was going to be bit after that, and you know it's not the two stars of the show. When Tess said she's going to retire after this mission, that's when I knew. You know? <laughs> she didn't actually say that, did she? <laughs> no, This is my she last go-around. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, so and then they get out of there, you figure out Tess has been bit, all that jazz, not fun, uh, but sets up... Uh, a different ending than the ending you get in the book, if I remember correctly. Or, not the book, in the game. Um, but they basically billions of zombies are running at them, and they're in, like, I don't know what that was. Yeah. Like, like I, the capital of Boston, whatever. <laughs> but I don't know what capital building that is. I didn't see the Liberty Bell. I know that's Philadelphia, Drew. Um, is that Philadelphia? I didn't know that. Um, but you get that really great scene where Tessa's decided, you know what, you guys run, I'm going to buy you some time, which is like the most cliche, uh, like hero thing to do, but I didn't care. I loved it. I was here for the whole thing. You know what's not cliche? You know what's not cliche? A zombie mouth fungus kissing you as you like... Yeah, I would rather the zombie had bit her through the neck and ripped out her aorta. Because uh, yeah. that was tough. But better, the so the lead up to that, where she dumps grenades on the ground and she's like, run, and she starts putting gasoline everywhere. And you're like, oh yeah, she's going to blow these people up. And then they do such a really great job of showing Tess, who you know has the best intentions and has set up this plan to you know sacrificially take out all these people. Um, of her like losing function in her body as the disease starts to take over and she's like trying to light the match or the lighter, lighter and she like just can't get her fingers to do it and you, she does a really great job because you can like almost kind of see in her face that, like she kind of forgets like why she's trying to light it and then like she kind of she comes back and I thought she did a phenomenal job in that and also the worst death scene possibly you can have <laughs> by zombie I think it's been a while since I've seen The Hills Have Eyes, but uh, this is pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that zombie just walks up to her, it's like, uh-oh, he's going to eat her face off. And Nopi just French kisses her with zombie virus fun- fungus mm. and uh, did not enjoy that at all. did not like it one but, bit. Yeah, didn't like it one bit. But that was really cool. As you see, I was like, I don't think she's going to light that lighter. I think this is all for naught. Like, they got me. And I've seen all the action yeah. movies. I've seen everything blow up that could blow up on a movie screen. And I was like, I don't think she's going to get this done. And then she finally lights it and drops it. I was like, yes! And everybody explodes. It was great. Uh, but what a really great heroic ending for a character, as Crawford said, you've only seen on screen for like 30 minutes and you still really like somehow. Um, this, this show's really, really good at giving you little character moments like that mm-hmm. that are really, really well done and, and capitalizing when they need to. I think the best example of these little character moments come in episode three, though, uh, with yes. with Nick Offerman's character. Uh, he's Frank. Bill. No, he's Bill, uh, and the other guy's Frank. And it, I mean, you kind of it. It's a funny setup at first, almost where this like 
survivalist doomsday prepper is like Ron Swanson. Yeah. He's like, I called it. Uh, and he's just living (laughs) his best life, you know, and you get to watch him find a person, start to trust, start to fall in love. You, you watch a, a fight happen in the middle of a street where they're fighting about paint colors and mowing the lawn and, and stupid stuff like that, that you just, it, it's able to like take you out of like, we're in an apocalyptic world and like nothing matters. And it's Mad Max style and chaos in the streets of like, Oh no, these are all just still people, um, who have relationships and are trying to figure it out. And, you know, it's got weird stakes attached to it as well. But I mean, they're at their core, just people and you get to experience that, like, almost sense of normalcy for a minute. Um, And those characters, you get to have a full love story arc in 40 minutes while it almost makes you forget about the impending zombie apocalypse outside. Mm -hmm. It it was really, really well done. What did you guys think about episode three? I I didn't want to see the first 10 minutes of Up played out in real life, (laughs) but then I got it. And uh, yeah. and I'm not mad at it. It was a really, really good episode. Yeah, I, I thought Nick Offerman did a great job of both being the, you know, doomsday prepper and the really vulnerable, been on his own for 20 years character, or however long it was when Frank showed up. Um, and then I, I love their juxtaposition, like Bill being closed off and, you know, safe, protect, shut it down, don't don't open yourself up. And Frank being like, no, that's not a way to live. Let's, you know, spruce it up. Let's enjoy life. Let's invite Let's, the people know. to lunch and not point guns at them all the time. Yes, that was right. <laughs> right. Murray Bartlett is his name. He I've only ever seen him in the White Lotus season one. He is so freaking good in the White Lotus. He's so good. Um, and he was great in this episode as well, too. Um, they really did put a beautiful um they put a they put a beautiful love story in the middle of a zombie apocalypse that, weirdly enough, we, we got The Walking Dead meets Brokeback meets Up in the middle of this saga, which I did not see coming. Do you, let me ask you this question. If you were Bill and some random dude ended up in one of your traps, are you pulling him out and feeding him dinner and letting him play on your piano? Or... 100% killing that dude. Not, not letting <laughs> That's immediately him go back and tell anybody where my hideaway is. That well fortified? No, sir. Um, maybe the most touching moment in that episode. The funniest part, I think, was when he's like, I've, I've been talking to somebody on the radio. They're coming over for dinner. And Bill goes, you did what? He goes, they're coming for dinner. And he just like storms <laughs> off. I thought that was great. Uh, then it ends up being Joel and Tess, which was cool. You could see Tess again. Uh, but I think the most touching part was after he's given him his suicide request and uh, you see uh, Bill still going out and watering the plants and like taking care of the stuff that he didn't really care about before mm. he was just doing it for Frank. Um, you see him, it's like important to him now to like do all that. And I thought that was really, really, that was really touching. Um, even though he knew like, I'm not going to see past this day either, but it's still yeah. like, you know, what would, what the good, right thing to do would be. Those are really, really good and really touching. And also, like, I wasn't expecting that at all. And even that towards the end, I was like, all right, so Frank's going to screw this up somehow, and he's going to let the wrong person in. They're going to kill everybody, and, you know, Bill's going to mm-hmm. be on the run, and they're going to meet up with Joel. Like, I just, like, there's got to be some terrible ending to this. And the terrible ending was just that 
a disease got Frank in the end. It just wasn't the zombie apocalypse disease. Yeah. And they had, they had to come to grips with that. Um, what a great curveball. Mm-hmm. What a phenomenal curveball by this show. Uh, and Drew. They teed it up too with Bill being shot yeah. and then cutting directly yeah. to like just really expertly paced. I, I didn't expect them to spend a whole episode. I, I'm pretty sure I in the video game, Frank is dead, but Bill's not. When yeah, you come so to them towards they, the they end. talked about that at the end of the episode where they're like, this is one of the big deviations we made from the game where uh, Frank is alive and he makes some reference to his partner, Bill. Or no, sorry, vice versa. Bill is alive and he makes some reference to his partner, Frank. But that's really it. There's just kind mm-hmm. of like a... a reference to him and they wanted to explore what that would have looked like and i thought that that was really good for uh the world building because you got to experience a, like a lot of those time jumps um yeah throughout also i laughed so hard when uh frank is talking to bill and he's like sorry i'm not like this solitary man who wants to just sit in his room by himself and believe that the government is run by nazis and he's like the government is run by nazis and he goes okay (laughs) well now it is (laughs) (laughs) and it made me laugh really hard yeah yeah oh those two carried that episode um i don't know emmy emmy worthy level performances by both of them um Mm -hmm. in in a show that's not even like remotely about them, which is the right. best part, I think. And and you get to I thought Pedro Pascal did a really good job with this scene and, and Ellie, honestly, as well, uh, Bella Ramsey, when um he's coming off the heels of losing like his partner and friend yeah. Tess, right? In a very dramatic and hurtful way. And he's coming to like one of his only other respite and and like friends that he has outside. You know, friends being a loose term, but, you know, people he's worked with for a long time and maybe somebody that can understand and grieve with him and, you know, knows Tess as well. And now he doesn't get that relief either. And actually got Bella Ramsey, like Ellie's character, kind of mocking it at first and then realizing what was happening in that letter and then coming to grips with it, too. And I thought that was a really, really well acted scene uh, by the both of them. We I think we all want to believe we could be Nick Offerman's character, right? The apocalypse happens, and we're just like, I got this. I can start skinning deer in my backyard. I can run the generator. I can, you know, go turn on go the gas in my house. I've got, I, I go to Home Depot. I don't know exactly what my doomsday kit needs to be. It's like, no. Nah. <laughs> as much as a movie montage makes me think I could grab seven items and be fine, I know for a fact I would get all the wrong items i'd get like nine pvc pipes and a can of tuna fish i was like i did it right <laughs> is, is this good did we do we, did, did we do them? it good <laughs> how to do trap why isn't google working i i would turn into a raider instantly 100 percent. 100 yeah i'm so dead i'm so dead in the event of apocalypse um yeah season three or episode three ends with um, Ellie and Joel taking the truck and some supplies. You, the really like that whole uh, wall of guns, and Ellie's like, yeah. "Come on, let me take one." And he's like, "No." And she's like, "There's a wall of them." <laughs> like, that's such a great scene. He's like, "Still no." And she steals one, which comes back into uh, play episode four. But the you you again get to see kind of uh, Ellie kind of peel like one layer back on Joel as they like she 
kind of gets them to open up about Bill and Tess, um, which was cool. And they start their their journey, their road trip, um, which is where we pick up on episode four. So episode four picks up with Joel and Ellie on the road, headed to Kansas City. Uh, they're trying to get to Wyoming to get Tommy, uh, Joel's brother, who is played by an actor in the video games, uh, voiced by an actor in the video games, who plays the sergeant guy for the crazy lady in this oh, episode. Oh, Perry? Names are tough. Perry. There you go. Uh, that's a fun little tidbit. Um, and I think I really enjoyed that they took the time out of this like 50-minute episode to have Ellie reading a bunch of bad dad jokes mm. on the side of the road <laughs> and having uh, Joel like try to like mansplain uh, siphoning gas because no one knows how that really that works. That was so and funny. Like, yeah. What do you mean? It sucks up all the gas? What do you mean? How does it do that? He's like, I don't, I don't know. Shut up. You don't know how it works. <laughs> I know that it does work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when He's like, yeah, you used to be able to drive these things for, for days and go wherever you wanted to. And she's like, oh, really? Where'd you go? He goes, nowhere. N- not too many places, actually. Yeah. Which is uh, really fun. The music, I think, we didn't really talk a lot about the music, but the music throughout the show, I think, has been really, really good. Um, it's been played at tense times and uh, kind of throughout you, they uh, Bill used songs on the radio to tell Joel um, and Tess, you know, if things were good, if things were bad or whatever. And that came up in episodes one and three um, episode four had a song that my wife realized um, was in a bunch of other stuff. Um, it's called on the nature of daylight. It's actually might've been episode three. Now I think of it, it was episode three. It was uh, as uh, Frank and Bill are doing their last like day together doing chores. Um, the song's called On the Nature of Daylight. It is the same song that you will hear in Shutter Island and Arrival and oof, another one I'm not going to come up with off the top of my head. But it's a very famous song that hmm. is used just to be like kind of like deafening. Uh, like, like it does most of the emotional legwork for you. <laughs> you don't need a lot else other than this song to be like, Oh, am I going to cry? I might be able to cry right now. <laughs> the reason I thought about songs, name of the episode, Please Hold to My Hand, uh, was apparently a line from that song that's on the radio as they're driving in uh, to Kansas City where they get attacked, um, which we've all seen like enough like zombie movies and shows by now. Just as soon as that guy came out, he's like, oh, I've been hurt. Help me. Oh, I was yeah. like, run, Joel. Run, run Joel. Don't stop. <laughs> run him and over. Joel is not a rookie. He knew that this is a trap. Let's get the heck out of here. Oh, but him teaching Ellie like, like to put a seatbelt on and like explaining like what airplanes were and stuff. I think all of that's a really really cool touch and very interesting. Uh, it's it's easy to forget that this is thirty years into the future and this yeah. child has no clue what the real world was like. Yeah, um, him giving her crap about using the map, and she's like, "This is my second day in a car." Yeah, <laughs> that's I, we haven't said this enough. I don't know if we said it yet. Bella Ramsey, who I think we only knew from Game of Thrones, like two episodes. She's yeah. awesome. She is. She's done such Especially a great did. job. I went on and on about Nico Parker in the first episode, but Bella Ramsey's really held her own and really won me over in the first four episodes here. Yeah, I agree. Their dynamic is so interesting. Joel, I mean. Pedro Pascal does a great job of being that kind of shut off, but also feels pain and and can feel make you feel so many different levels of disheartened, mm. dreary hopelessness. And then Ellie, uh, Bella Ramsey is doing such a great job of fighting against that force to just 
lay down and be quiet, and she just is such a firebrand, like, curses. And I, I wasn't, like, the biggest fan of the dad joke book, but I like it as a tool to kind of... They do it really well, and, and later on, when they get into the, wherever they're sleeping that night, and it finally breaks Joel... That's a yeah. beautiful character moment. Yeah. Expertly set up. So uh, I, I want to go back a little bit to when they get to KC, because this is like the first time in the video game. I, I think you've been attacked by mercenaries before, but this is the first time like humans are the main antagonist. And I love the the, the recaps tells that they, they spent a lot of time to humanize these characters that were just kind of like baddies in the video game. What did you think of the idea of this one woman leading a revolt against the QZ and setting up kind of a militia. That is my nightmare in these zombie apocalypse scenarios is to be up underneath some person who's just more charismatic than me and leading everybody against the government or whatever military faction is like, cause now we're just replacing that with you. And I don't, I don't trust her one bit. Yeah. What was y'all's I- takeaway? And nerving enough to me to be like, I really hope we get away from this storyline very quickly. Because I yeah. can see this putting me on edge and also being annoying. So I was like, no <laughs> I'm really hoping we get out of Kansas City very yeah. quickly in episode five. Because I don't really want to deal with her and all of her craziness. It just I, And I know we're going to have to. I just really don't want to. I would like to do yeah. it for one more episode and then be gone. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you, Drew. And I feel like other things have done this well at some points. Like The Walking Dead did this a little bit with uh, the governor and stuff like that, where you get this yeah. one charismatic person who's able to like rally everybody around them, and they're the scariest ones of all because on the surface they probably look you know, put together and in charge. Mm-hmm. They're always hiding something. They're always got demons in the closet. Mm-hmm. They're always too hungry for power they're always looking and like they make wild decisions at some point that everybody else has to go Ooh, are we going to keep going with this because we know like we kind of put all our eggs in this basket and so do we either start over and find somebody else or like we really screwed it up by throwing out all other options (laughs) right right none of us wants to do what she's asking us to do but none of us have the power to go against her. She also didn't set up a constitutional democratic way of voting <laughs> her out. Ugh. Right. So yeah. I guess we're just going to have to uh, kill her. Right. Or, I don't know, become raiders. There you go. Once again, Crawford, you want to be a raider? Uh, <laughs> I'm starting to see a pattern here. <laughs> I'm with you, buddy. Let's do it. Okay, sweet. More of a lone wolf I'm, type. I know where I'm going when the zombie apocalypse starts. We get Ellie shooting her first person. In the spine or the butt or something. Like, that dude... In the yeah, back, like put like Aim up a little bit. What are you doing? <laughs> when she was aiming at, like, his, like, mid-torso, I was like, that bullet's going to go through the bad guy and kill Joel. So, like, aim I was really worried. a little bit higher. Um, yeah. But the cool thing about that scene, besides it being a fun scene um, with Joel fighting, is that after she shoots the guy... And he's like pleading. He's like, "I'll take you to my mom. We'll train you." Oh my gosh! And try to like really uh, empathize with the bad guy for a minute there. So easily. She at no point was like, "Joel, like, come on, let's let's let bygones be bygones here." Well, I also like Joel's like, "Go back behind the wall." And she's like, "All right." 
Oh, I like that the bad guy knew the moment that she turned around that he was done. Like, he, like, he was yeah. like, I'm not going to negotiate with this guy. Like, you're my yeah. only hope in this scenario is you yeah. talk some mercy into him. And the moment she turns around, he like, the fear in his eyes of like, oh, shoot, this is it. That scene, I think, gives you um, a callback to the first episode where, where you see Ellie not be scared or afraid or intimidated by Joel killing someone. Almost where she's, like, intrigued by it. To now she's got a hand in it and, again, is not swayed by it. So I don't know what Ellie's backstory is, but I, well, I think she it's did. a tough one. I think she... I think she's trying she's to put on a grave safe, right? Because she goes, like, under the hole and she starts crying a little bit. And she, like, wipes it away. And you can see her make the conscious decision to be like, no, I will not cry about mm-hmm. this. Like, I'm I'm tough. That did not affect me. Let's move on. Um, and then you get this really heartfelt interesting almost awkward moment where he's like are you okay or and she's like are you okay and like he's like i don't know how to talk about this to you like to a child i don't know how to process these emotions like much less for me but like for you i don't know how to bring this up like and she almost like bails him out by being like it's not my first time hurting somebody like yeah um but you, you start to see this relationship grow between them as they have to go handle really hard things together. And you get the uh, juxtaposition of, you know, 10 minutes before where they're making puns in the car and, you know, they have another kind of awkward moment where she's looking at, like, a gay magazine. And, you know, she's like, how does he even walk with that between his legs? And, like, why are these page sticky? And he's like, oh, God. Oh, like, like, <laughs> like he's having to deal with another kind of awkward interaction with her. But it's funny and lighthearted. And now he has to deal with this very traumatizing, emotional, damaging one. And um, seeing those relationships of, like, almost a father and a daughter. Like, how do we, how do, we do this together? Um, right. I think that that's really cool to see that start to develop. Whereas the first three episodes, it was mo- mostly the relationships of other people, and this is really the first time you get the relationship of them specifically only. Yeah, episode one, they're very antagonistic. Like she comes at him with a knife, and I, that was one of the funniest. Inter- oh, Pedro yeah, Pascal and throws Pedro. her to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> and she's like, "Give me, give me my knife back." He's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think I, I remember asking my wife at the end of the first episode, like, oh, he's going to love her by the end, isn't he? And she was, yes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> um, but one thing I think they've done a really good job is Pedro Pascal playing way older than he really is. I don't know, way older. He's probably late 40s, but he's playing a character who's in his late 50s and his knees are hurting and his back. So he's like, he moves very like old man. Um, not just I going upstairs, like shot. when he stands up, he's always kind of like stiff backed and like kind of. Like, how I am, like, moving now, which is not how a regular man in his 30s should be. He's always, like, trying to, like, wiggle kind of, like, his hips, like, kind of get him back in. He's doing a really good job playing, like, the uh, physicality of an older man who's, like, not been going to get, you know, his yearly checkup with the doctor because of the zombie apocalypse, you know. Are we supposed to be doing that? There is no cortisone shot for his knees when he's out there running away from clickers. Um, So I think these are... city miles. No. So I think they're doing a really good job with that. All the performances have been so fantastic so far. Even uh, Melanie Linksy, Linsky, who plays Kathleen, the lady at the QZ who is the new Hitler or whatever, um, she gives a great performance. 
Um, they, they've all been really killer so far. Um, yeah. I'm really excited to see what the future of this uh, series holds. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of heartbreak, but a lot of really great um, drama as well, too. Um, so I, I'm fired up to see the, the rest of this series. I think Melanie Linsky has one of those really um, disturbing bad guy voices where she can be really like sweet and high-pitched with her voice while she tells you while she why she's going to brutally murder you and okay. you're just, it, it, like it, like the pitch doesn't match the information that she's giving you and she's yeah she'll tell you with a very like straight earnest sweet face i'm going to chop you up into little bits and serve you into these brownies and you're like wait what you're going to do what what oh god like yeah um she i'm excited to see what she does with with the rest of this character are you with me that like I hope she only gets one more episode? I yeah, don't I really hope... want to deal with the whole season of this. I, would, I want someone yeah. to end that pretty quickly. I... Which I think they set it up with the groundswell at the end of whatever's um, in the ground of that basement. Which I'm assuming is just lots of zombies, but I don't know that. I think at some point uh, Joel is going to have to leave that militia to fend for themselves against the zombies. Like he's going to do just enough to kill enough zombies to get out for himself. But it's sure. like, he's going to face the dilemma of like, I could stay here and, and help you defeat the, this problem. Or I'm going to let these zombies like kill your leader. And I'm just going to bounce. And I, yeah. I, I think that that's, what's going to happen here in like episode option B five. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm interested to see. It seems like we've come across the first group of people that we're going to add into our party. Um, They've mentioned Henry a bunch of times and his mm-hmm. son. I can't remember what his son's name was. Sam. Sam. It seems like this is the first time we've introduced characters that are going to join our party and that we're going to have to trust um, because they got the drop on us. Uh, but I'm excited to see how that plays out and how long they stick around because every episode, like three or four people have been killed. Like yeah. important people introduced and gone. And so that doesn't bode well for Henry and Sam. Uh, however, I'm really interested to see how Joel and Ellie handle new people and how Ellie handles another young person and how Joel handles an, an older person and how they, you know, he's more been around the whole 20 years and done good things and bad things and how he kind of relates and mm-hmm. deals with that. I wish I was paying better attention to what the drawings were on the wall to see if they could give me. So it looked like it was like Superman and, and yeah. Yeah. young Superman flying away. Um, and I'm sure that'll come back. In the next episode. Uh, yeah, I'm fired up to see how this goes. This is a really good show. Um, I'm with you, Crawford, on feeling like this is kind of like first season of Game of Thrones kind of feel to it. Where it's, it's like, I don't really know what's going on, but like I know I'm in. Mm-hmm, and I, right. I know I trust that it's going to be good um, each week. So Yeah, I I'm think just in the same goes. way that some people that aren't traditional fantasy world fans liked Game of Thrones. Because they just really liked the characters. You're going to get a lot of people that aren't traditional zombie horror fans that are going to really like The Last of Us just because it's really good characters. Yeah. Um, also, I did have the feeling, I, I'm going to always want to relate this to Game of Thrones just because the uh, you know the two actors in it, but um, I did have a little bit of the feeling of The Hound and Arya when they were like traveling together. And there was like this tension between them, but like the moments of like kind of getting along. Uh, that's how I felt with Joel 
and Ellie, like in the car, where like sometimes you forget that you're part of this really dark story and you can just kind of like have fun with one another. Um, and then you remember that, oh yeah, we got to go kill a bunch of people. Um, but I, I had flashbacks of that. So I'm really excited to see what else they do with uh, episodes five through nine. We hope you've enjoyed our review of episodes one through four. Um, and also we hope that you're sports fans as well and are excited for this weekend where we get both an episode five of Last of Us and the Super Bowl. And also next we will be breaking down, or more accurately, drafting the best athletes turned actors on Not the Podcast You Deserve. <laughs> <laughs>